takes more than an unread stack of tech books as a monitor stand to be a great software engineer. This is episode 239 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I am your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show where we answer your non-technical questions about the technical field of software development. For the technical questions, you have your monitor stand to turn to. That's right. <laughs> is this a universal thing? I'm assuming everyone is the same as I am, but I've definitely used tech books and rarely have I read them as a monitor stand. <laughs> I used to read tech books a lot. And I realized, as you said that intro, I realized that the last tech book I, read, I bought was four years ago and I have not read a single page. <laughs> so I'm just because you absorb it through osmosis. That's right. I sleep near it. <laughs> yeah, I have an I have an untouched copy of documenting software architectures. I think that's the last one I bought. Not even cracked a page. It's not even working as a monitor stand right now. <laughs> what is it doing? <laughs> it's totally useless. <laughs> Dave, do you want to thank our wonderful patrons? I do. Thanks so much to those that are contributing on Patreon. Their names are Roman Denisov, Fizzbuzz Influencer, Code Lemur, Christian Polanco, Oladapo Fadiyi, Kiaran Sveinson, Ragnar Hardison, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Dennis Bogdanov, Braden Kane, Stephen Armand Lee, John Grant, Chris Hogan, The Agile Ventures Charity, Nick Cantor, and Philip John Basile. If you would like to have your name shouted out, or whatever word you choose, you can go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon. And if you contribute any dollar amount greater than zero, we will give you access to our Slack community where we just have a fantastic time. Every week, something cool is happening there. And you are missing out on it. We had a parade. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of candy, we threw old unread tech books. <laughs> oh, jeez. Just took people out. <laughs> <laughs> just clobber somebody with volume 4A of the art of computer programming. <laughs> All right. I'm going to read our first question. This is from an anonymous listener. Really love the podcast. Keep it up. Thank you. We probably will. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> I'm in a senior role at a software company and have been here for over five years. I have come up with a SaaS product idea after finding a problem in my company's engineering process and have started working on it. It solves a niche problem in general software development, so it isn't related to my company's product. I would like to use this product at my current company, both to help me manage the technical issues at my current company and to help validate and grow the idea. Should I have any concerns about what I'm doing? Can my company claim my idea as its own? What should I be doing now to protect myself? Any other things I should consider? Does it make sense to validate a new side hustle idea at a company while working full-time at said company? Ooh, this question is awesome. I love this. I've always wanted to do this. To build a thing and use your current job as the as the funding <laughs> slash test bed. No, so not so much that part. Just I've always wanted to spin off a niche software solution company for SaaS teams. I don't know why. I think I've just I've used <laughs> so many like simple products now over the years that have turned into like monthly payments that my company uses because I don't want to have to build and maintain that, and I'll be perfectly happy to throw four hundred bucks a month at it you know, to make yeah. sure it, it never fails and there's someone else looking into that. And I just think there's there's probably a hundred company ideas in every SaaS company's portfolio of operations tasks that they perform every week and shouldn't be. So it says this is this is not a necessarily a SaaS company that they work at. Their right. idea is just for a SaaS product. Oh, okay. Oh, we should do SaaS stands for software as a service just to, it's it's like some kind of software that is hosted generally by this company that you pay some amount of money to use. 
Yeah, and what's really great is um, once you know what SAS stands for, you can basically substitute the first S for anything you want, you know. Like baby mulching as a service was <laughs> the last <laughs> the last one. Yeah, product like, as a service is is hot. Infrastructure, well, not anymore really. Platform as a service, sorry, not product. Yes, infrastructure as a service. Yeah, that's the one. I want to do SaaS as a service. Yeah, like a a company that has a product that creates SaaS company. I mean, that's sort of that's like right. Stripe, right? I guess you could say venture capital, like a venture capital as a service <laughs> produces SaaS companies. You put yeah. dollars in and SaaS companies come out. Anyways, I'm really curious to hear your your initial reaction to this idea. I am perplexed. Boy, it would depend a lot on the company you work for. Yep. If if one of my engineers who works at my company, like who works for me, said, hey, by the way, I've been working on this thing on the side. Do you want to be my first customer? <laughs> Yeah. I just don't know how I would feel. Like on the one hand, I'd say, oh, this is awesome. It solves our problem. Yeah, I'll throw a couple hundred bucks a month at you or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. On the other hand, I'd be thinking, I wonder what productivity loss I have paid for <laughs> over the last year. You know? Yeah. The first thing I'll say is read your employment contracts again and then yeah. again and then again. Because it's very possible that you work at a company that already owns your SaaS product idea. That's right. So congratulations. You might get a nice bonus yeah. this year. <laughs> yeah. Google is famous for doing this. And, and lots of other tech companies do this. Or companies in general where literally anything you make at all, ever, on any time or equipment, is the company just claims ownership over it. And I don't know enough about earth law to know how enforceable it is. But <laughs> yeah, sure sounds scary when you read it. Every employment contract that I have signed has very nuanced but important verbiage, like the word related to or competes yep. with, that, yep. that specifically calls out products that are in like the same field. So in other words, if it's like, in this case, it would probably be out of bounds of your employment contract. In other words, not subject to ownership by the company for the ones that I've signed. Yeah. But I mean, Google is famous for this, that theirs don't have a, I mean, they the explanation I've heard is they do everything, or if they haven't done it yet, they want to someday. Right, right. So like literally anything could potentially compete with them. I mean, this is the company that does web search and self-driving cars. <laughs> so even if they did have those clauses in their employment contract, it wouldn't matter. It's like, yeah, that's related to us. <laughs> yeah. Anything related to software. Discontinuing products as a service. <laughs> Sunsetting as a service. Don't even have to change the acronym. Yeah, I, I feel, so first, read your employment contract, because good news, you might not have a, <laughs> a decision to make. Right. I agree that this would weird me out, because I would also be wondering constantly, are they working on things that I would like them to work on, or are they working on making their product better? Whereas if this was just like, yeah, go implement this at my company, or our company, as an internal solution, then there wouldn't be that conflict of maybe they're actually selling this to some other customer and i'm just funding them to right. <laughs> improve it at, at my company you're paying for their customer support department <laughs> yeah on the other hand stuff spins out of companies and makes other companies confluent that's the company that that owns kafka isn't it i don't know i don't know the the details of the ownership actually but i'm pretty sure that kafka came out of linkedin and this company formed around it and at some point, like they were working on this for LinkedIn and now a company exists. I don't know how it exists or what the details are or if they're getting sued or <laughs> mad or whatever, but it's it's happened before. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't want to be the person that says your idea is dumb and you shouldn't believe anything and just put your head down and run that rat race till you die. Yeah. But this is a tricky situation because it very easily could come across as, hey, can you pay me to to work on something that I will then sell to other people? Yeah, exactly. And I would say that I love that you've done this, but I would probably not use my employer as the first customer or any customer because you'll always yeah. your, your employer will always wonder, for example, like if you're working on that service at work, what is that exactly? You know, like let, let's say, for example, that an issue comes up with this product you've created and your company is a customer and they're encountering the issue. Now what? Whose clock are you on in the middle of the day when you need to fix it? Yeah, you know, that's that's nasty. I would I just would not I would probably not sell to my own employer. Yeah, I like the idea of I think understanding use cases or a problem domain is pretty as long as it doesn't compete with the company, that seems pretty clear cut. But as soon as you say, hey, pay me money for this thing that you will use. Or even if the it's relationship free. changes and you're not just yeah, you're not just an employee of the company, you're a vendor at the same time. Exactly. And even if money doesn't change hands, it's still there's still a weird conflict of interest there because you know, if the company has an issue with that service, do they actually want to pay you to fix it? Yeah, maybe they do. But when you have three other customers and it breaks in the middle of the day, what are you going to do? Yeah. The relationship a company has with vendors is very different from the relationship it has with uh, employees as well, where yeah, the company has some incentive to keep its employees happy and you have some incentive to keep the company happy. The balance of power is much more shifted towards whoever is paying the money when it's a vendor because they can, right. they can just not pay you. And there's still some cost, but like, Companies are used to trying to squeeze more out of their vendors or cracking the whip or switching vendors or, or like a more adversarial relationship. And you may have just made it so that when they get rid of a vendor, they also fire an employee. <laughs> or Ugh. Like it, it just feels scary to tie the vendor and the employee relationship together. This guy named Vincent Wu founded a startup called CoderPad, which basically lets you write code collaboratively in the browser and it gets used for interviewing. He started it while employed at a company and I listened to an interview with him and his manager basically said like, sure, just keep working on this. And he also used it at Everlane. And I think the manager just was like fine with that and thought he'll probably quit someday if this takes off, but whatever. Okay. I don't know how he pulled it off though, besides just doing it. Like, I don't know what the secret would be to replicate this yourself, but this is a concrete example, very similar to the one you're in where they literally built a product, used it at work, and then eventually quit to go work on it full time. That's awesome. I mean, I love I love that whole idea for you. I just don't like the uncomfortable situation you're going to be in until you can afford to actually quit. Yeah, I wouldn't do it because I'm risk averse and fear conflict. <laughs> and I think there's a chance that this will generate some conflict. Yeah, I, I think you have to be willing to take on. I mean, if you're going to go off by yourself to start a company there's quite a bit of risk involved in that but realize that you're bringing that risk closer to your your stable day job if you do this that's true i would say the further you can get away from that the better not the better let me let me quantify exactly what i mean by that the you can de-risk this endeavor by decoupling it from your employer that way you can choose to leave your employer on your timeline not on theirs whereas if you make them a customer, you've now intertwined these two timelines and given them a hand on your steering wheel that you probably don't want there. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about the opposite. Yeah, how do you quit if 
<laughs> so they could fire you if they don't like you as a vendor anymore too. But also, what if you don't want to work there anymore? Mm -hmm. I, if you quit, probably they will stop paying for your product, right? It's possible. I'm assuming that the benefit of this is like the sales pipeline is much easier because you work there already. So you could just like tap your manager on the shoulder and say, hey, please expense this or whatever. Can I borrow your procurement card? For yeah. Hey, look over that way for 10 minutes while I pull up the, <laughs> the expense report software. <laughs> your relationship with the customers is like you sit next to them and work with them every day. So there's some benefit there, but I'd be scared of this, I guess. I would be too. And I would be equally scared if it was free. Because you will always have to be prepared to answer that question. What are you doing every day? <laughs> you know, how is your time being spent? But if you love this idea enough to do it, then just ignore us, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But don't, don't forget, like starting a SaaS company is a 24-7 job. It's not just when you're not at work. Like if you're making an open source project, you can sometimes afford to just work in the evenings. But a SaaS product usually has SLAs and 24-7 availability needs so are you willing to have like an eight hour response time on your when you go down yeah that's a good point especially if your customers are businesses exactly so this might not work with your day job and so that's just something to consider maybe you could pull it off maybe you can hire an assistant who can manage it and you're willing to take that risk and put a little of your money into it are you familiar with pinboard no never heard of it it's a social bookmarking service that's been around quite a long time and it's famously ran by one guy and you basically can save bookmarks in the cloud from long before that was a very common idea that lots of things did long before that was built into every browser <laughs> yeah it's got it's got some other features it's a paid product and the owner is a fascinating person who is has a very different philosophy about the responsibility of a company to respond to its customers so he'll be like, hey, I'm going to be gone this weekend. The servers might go down and just like take off. It's like yeah. part of the brand of the company <laughs> that that he's like, yeah, if I am asleep and something breaks, it'll be broken. Like that's <laughs> that's what you get when you pay me your $3 a month or whatever. Right. <laughs> so he's kind of selected customers who are okay with that. And I, I think it's actually worked for him as a marketing an unwitting marketing technique too, because it's just interesting and makes people hear about it. That's funny. But I don't think that would fly if a company is paying you money. Yeah, maybe not. That reminds me of the Cards Against Humanity Black Friday deal where they doubled the price for Black Friday only. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that same kind of vein of like... It's like unmarketing. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. But it works sometimes if you're lucky. I think he would be fine if it didn't work too, though. Right. That's the, like, I think he, I think he believes it. <laughs> right. He's like, this isn't about marketing, guys. It's about me getting a good night of sleep every night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's all part of the marketing. Okay. Well, have have we answered the question? Yeah, I think so. Do you want to read our next one? Sure. This one comes from an anonymous listener who says, "Please help soft skills wizards." <laughs> I'm a junior engineer at a huge conglomerate. I quit mid patent process. Okay, I had a productive Tuesday a month ago, and I'm pretty good with mermaid.js. What? <laughs> okay, continuing on. If they come back with a job offer post-departure, since I am the sole inventor on this patent, how do I properly handle this one? My manager was extremely toxic, and every attempt that was made to move was botched, either by COVID-19 or my chain of command. I don't think I could feasibly have a positive interaction with my former manager and working under him has had a significant impact on my mental health. 
but I loved my work. I loved some of the people I worked with. Sometimes it being a huge conglomerate had its upsides as well. I was able to bend the rules as long as the bureaucracy had prevented someone from implementing the visibility that would have demonstrated the rules were bent. (laughs) (laughs) If they give me an offer to return as a junior architect, I would be very tempted to do so, but would be afraid of being anywhere near my former manager, director, or VP. So unless something very strange has happened, the company already owns your patent. <laughs> like, yes. I, I can't think of, and maybe it's a different country or a planet, but in right. the US, you like sign your life rights away to any patents or inventions you create while at the company. That's usually right. You would have to be very, very, very sure that this patent went with you. And did not stay with the company. I'm assuming that that's sort of the like. Is this a reason to hire you back, or is it is this like a mark of you're good at your job, and that's why they want to hire you back? It's probably a different thing, but they already own it, probably. So they're, right. they're probably not going to say we need to hire this person because we need their patent because their names on the patent. No, un- almost ninety five percent confident that your employment agreement. Here we are. It's a, it's employment agreement today. I did it on purpose, Dave. Oh, look at you. What a planner. Yep. 90% chance your employment contract specifically mentions patent reassignment, which means any patent you're granted while you're here, you agree to reassign it to the company, which means their name is on it. In addition to yours, it's not, it's usually, actually, I think it, I think reassign means, oh crap, here I am dabbling in terrestrial law when clearly I'm only, my jurisdiction is super orbital, let's just say. Yeah. But I think reassign means that your name comes off, their name goes on, and you are listed as an inventor but have no ownership over the patent, and so they have no incentive to bring you back. It says quit mid-patent process, so I could see that confusing things enough to make it fuzzy. If if you care that much about the patent, though, you probably need to talk to a, a Earth patent lawyer Yeah, who can answer these questions definitively, but I would be shocked if this huge conglomerate let you start a patent process while you worked there for a thing you invented while you worked there right. and did not end up owning it. Which, by the way, undoubtedly, they paid all the legal fees and the patent application fees. So let's not forget that little tidbit. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Companies aren't usually in the habit, especially gigantic ones, of paying for things and then not owning them. Yeah, patent thing, I feel like, is, is kind of a red herring. But should I go back if I hated my last manager? No, not to the same manager, but right. <laughs> yes, if it's a different <laughs> management <Yeah>. chain. <laughs> That's the beauty of working for huge companies. Yeah, it's it's a different company. <laughs> yeah, it's very easy to get away from someone. You know, if there's only 20 people in the company and one of them is extremely toxic, well, you might be out of luck. But if there's 20,000, you may never see that person again. <laughs> yeah, that's part of why big companies like internal transfers, because it lets people stick around that might otherwise have left Yeah, because they effectively get a new job without losing all of their company-specific knowledge and context. Now, I have to assume this question asker already knows this because clearly they have managed to figure out how to navigate the bureaucracy and bend all the right rules to be happy at work. So they must know that you can transfer. Yeah, maybe they left under bad (laughs) circumstances. I don't know. I never understood why people left jobs and then went back to the same company before because every time I've left a job, it's been because I just really didn't want to be there anymore like ever again <laughs> yeah the idea of going back feels gross but i also hadn't ever worked at a giant megacorp before this so did i tell you i've gone back to a company yeah i think you have yeah let me let me see if i can tell the story 
and you tell okay. me where I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. So young young Dave, fresh out of space lawyer school, right. <laughs> uh, arrives at an exciting job offer for a new company. I just want to clarify that it, it was it was basically Harvard for space lawyers. Yeah, Harvard for space lawyers. They endowed a chair for Dave, the Dave Smith <laughs> chair of sitting very comfortably. <laughs> And you went and the chair was not comfy at all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so then you you went back to your well-known and comfortable space lawyer job. Is that about right? <laughs> I mean, like aside from everything, yeah, that's pretty much right. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's not nearly as exciting. I mean, I, I had been in a company for about five or six years. I quit that company because I thought I didn't like it. And then I went to another company for only six months and realized, no, I actually did like that company. <laughs> and so I went back. Oh, it's such a universal thing, though, that sometimes you just don't appreciate what you have until you do yeah. not have it anymore. Sometimes the contrast is what really brings out the the qualities of a thing. Absolutely. But, you know, so it's doable. And I've worked for companies who actually have a name for people who leave and come back. They call them boomerangs. Ah, It's kind of a, a term of endearment. And they even yeah. reinstate a bunch of things. Like if they have badges that change colors after certain tenure milestones, you get to keep all of your tenure under your belt so you have less time to accrue to get that colored badge that you want. Climb those leaderboards. That's right. I could see it as a mark of pride for the company too. Of like, it's We, we mm -hmm. don't just trap people here and they're scared to leave. Like we, Someone left and they realized, oh, it really is good here. That's right. If I were this question asker, I would be potentially concerned about... If my relationship with this management chain was so bad, I would be concerned about that potentially sabotaging me, depending on how big the company is or how closely, how close your new position would be to them. It's possible that if if you battled quite a bit with them, they might see your name come in and say, let's not <laughs> do that because of these reasons. So in my mind, this is part of the argument for why it's helpful to leave, even if you really don't like something. You can try to change it. You can do things that will make you happy, but you don't need to blow it all up because in this case, just being upset and leaving would have left you in a better state than battling with them. Mm. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah, I think those are my answers. I got to ask one more question about this one. At the very end of the question, it says, if they gave me an offer to return as a junior architect, I would be very tempted. I've never heard the term junior architect. Have you? I don't think so. It's not a, it's not a term at my company. I can assume that means that you're on a kind of technical leadership track, but kind of on the lower rung on that ladder, maybe. But those, those two words, words seem to be antithetical. I mean, junior and architect. Architect to me implies a level of experience that's greater than what junior would imply. Maybe it's like a mentorship or, or being mentored role or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I would expect a junior architect to be an, an engineer that hasn't yeah. moved into architecture yet or does a little bit as part of their <laughs> engineering job. I just got this idea. You said move into architecture and the connotation I carried away was like becoming an actual architect who like designs buildings, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was weird. What's that book that people love to quote that the idea of patterns, a, a timeless way of building. Have you heard of this book? No. I think it's the source for the idea of software patterns because it talks about real physical building architecture patterns of like a door that looks this way or something like that. Yes, I think I've seen that. Is that the one that talks about door handles and 
how to make it so that people know whether to push or pull. Is that the one? No, that's affordances, I think. That's <laughs> from the design of everyday things. This one is more like highfalutin, where I've seen it come up a lot in talks where people talk about the 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 philosophy of software patterns or something like that. Okay. So like pattern patterns? <laughs> yeah. So it's a thing. The 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 connection between physical architecture and software architecture is precedence. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's just the title of the company. Yeah. It's also unclear to me if they have an offer or if they're seeking one or if they're just saying, I wouldn't say no if it was this title and it right. this other part far away from this bad experience. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. Two part question then. How do I handle the patent? Sorry, too late. You don't get to handle it at all. And <laughs> if I go back, can I should I go back? Uh, and I'd say, yeah, you can probably avoid that manager. Although it does say manager, director, or VP. So there might be like an entire, it's not just one person. If you imagine like an org chart as a, as an, as a pyramid, it's yeah. not just one dot in that pyramid. It's an entire sub triangle within that pyramid, <laughs> a sub tree, if yeah. you will. So why did I say pyramid when I missed an opportunity to say tree? <sighs> Lame. Been thinking about pyramid schemes a lot. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call them tree schemes. Be right. tree schemes. <laughs> yeah, self-balancing tree schemes. Yeah, I think I think my wisdom is used up. Mine too. It's all drained out. All right. What can people do if they want more dubious legal, dubious <laughs> earth legal advice, but very well-researched and understood space legal advice? That's right. <laughs> well, if you want that, you can go to softskills.audio and click ask a question where you can type in words and we will answer with other words. And we will not be held accountable for following whatever those words say. <laughs> Listen, if you want to come out to the moon, then we can have a conversation. Yes. <laughs> and, and it will be legally binding. That's right. Professional advice. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. 